Hello, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of March 28, 2011, episode 98. This is Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We are the healthcare marketing agency that puts on the show, and I have two co-hosts with me today. They are Jackie. That's me, Jackie Ritako, account coordinator with Interval. And Adam. Hey, Adam Meyer. Uh, creative director at Interval. Hello. Hello. Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> How are you two today? I'm good. good. I've got a can of delicious Dr. Thunder by my side. <laughs> what is that? Dr. Thunder? It's like the generic Dr. Pepper. Oh, no. You know, when you're walking through the aisle and you see the Dr. Pe- like a 12, 12 of Dr. Pepper is like $8 and you're like, oh, I'm not paying that much for it. That much. Then, then you look over and you see the Dr. Thunder for like 59 cents for 12 pack. You're like, I'm going to go with that one, I think. I am beholden to no brand Dr. Pepper. <laughs> it tastes close enough. You know, I'll drink if, if Mr. Pibb is available, I'll drink the Pibb. If the doctor is available of, of, of Pepper, I'll drink that variety of doctor. But if the Thunder is... If the thunder from down under is ready to go, I'm I'm ready to go. Seems like a whole new law. Here's, <laughs> here's a movie quote you guys will never get. The doctor is in. Uh, young Frankenstein? No. It sounds like Old Steve Carell something, but I don't. Well, no, that's just because I can't do it right. <laughs> <laughs> if I say the full thing, then you'll know the movie. So I can't say it. Again. Well, no, you got to we'll do it now. The doctor is in. That's it. That's what you said before. I know. I know. Oh, well, if I say it, if I say the, the part that I'm leaving out, it's got the movie title in it. Well, you oh. might as well tell us now. Doctor Detroit. There's a movie called Doctor Detroit. Oh my gosh! Generation gap. And you <laughs> lost me. Generation gap. <laughs> Jan Aykroyd. Doctor Detroit. I've never heard of that in my life. Yeah, he's I'm, like I'm this. Googling it right now. He he's just a normal guy, I think, who takes on this crazy pimp persona. <laughs> I see a picture of him. Yeah, Academy Award material, here. obviously. Oh yes, <laughs> yes indeed. The old the older hipsters in the crowd will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> is there such a thing as an old hipster? Well, yeah. Is there any other kind? Are you saying that's what? redundant? No, well, no, no. I thought that hip, hipster is kind of. Uh, I thought that was a new term that was coined. I didn't think it had been around for much longer than a couple of years. I think it's I just. I thought a, it was. It's the neck beard dudes <laughs> who hang out at the coffee shop. Skinny jeans. Everyone else in their skinny jeans with their uh, whatevers. No, I'm just equating it to hippies. Hippies, hipsters. Oh. Uh, okay. Well, hippie. Yeah, yeah. Your modern day hipster is probably the equivalent of your '70s hippie. Yep. Or for my yeah. generation, it's the pre-hip replacements. So <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. All right. So let's see. We'll have to provide a link to the Doctor Detroit website. Yeah, yeah that's All important. Right. And we'll we'll link you up to the hipster definition. Some great quotes in there, but I can't remember them. I'll come up with them for next show. <laughs> uh, once again, we're still soliciting suggestions for our century show, as we're calling it <clears throat> at this second show number one hundred. Coming up, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to get some. Uh, well, by the time this this runs is is aired, I will hopefully gathered or will be gathering some nice vid <laughs> at the conference <laughs> at the summit summit vid. That's right, this next week. 
<clears throat> it's now, it's like in two days for me as I record this in my time machine. <laughs> as you listen to it out there in podcast land, it's happening at this moment. Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Don't all rush to the microphone at once. <laughs> We're trying to curb our enthusiasm here. <laughs> a great show. That's a good show. It is. All right. Uh, we got a lot of stuff on the docket, so we better get to it, mm-hmm. or we're never going to get through it all. Say docking? Docket. Never run chain the night. Another. That's, is that what it is? Pre hip replacement <laughs> rock band. <laughs> we're just going to bogue out of this podcast here. Today. Yeah, we are. I have to throw this in just before I start with the healthcare marketing. Uh, News talkers, yeah, while yeah. out celebrating a uh, birthday party this weekend with some friends where there might have been some imbibing involved, there was some iPhone orderage of Motley Crew poison tickets that happened. Oh, yeah, they're gonna be here for is it like a Jack FM thing or something at the Target Center? Target Center, yeah, so nice. Uh, yep, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to get tickets for that. That That would be good. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Just threw that in there. I'll see you there, dude. (laughs) Party. All right. Okay. We've got an article that Jackie found. um, I did. And it goes to, I think it was last time. Sometimes, Adam, you probably think we find these just to like throw them back at you. But (laughs) I I think we ended up on the same page with this discussion. And that was about emphasizing hospital amenities over quality, which I think if I can paraphrase Adam's main point, it is uh, if you're putting amenities before quality and your quality is bad, you're wasting your time and your money. Uh, but we all agreed, I think, that amenities do drive patient decision-making. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this this article actually has some, well, theoretically demonstrable evidence of that, though. You know, I we've been saying this for friggin' seven years. so when i see these things i go yeah yeah this is news you know there's unrest in the mid-east you know the whatever the yankees are in the playoffs and your patient experience matters next (laughs) but this was uh what you brought forward jackie was a blog post from health leaders media Mm -hmm. titled hospitals offer amenities to drive patient volume Uh, but what was interesting in it i think was uh, a couple studies that were cited. And one of them was published just December 2010, so a few months ago, in the New England Journal of Medicine, which is obviously well-respected. Uh, and the study found that, quote, improvements to amenities typically cost hospitals more than improvements in quality of care, but improvement, but improved amenities have a greater effect on hospital volume. The study used as an example a 2008 remodel of Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center in L.A. that was accompanied by a marketing campaign called, quote, a better way to get better, unquote. The multimedia campaign focused on amenities the hospital had to offer, including family-friendly rooms and hotel-style meal service. And the campaign produced results. After two years, the number of people treated at Ronald Reagan UCLA who would recommend it or other UCLA hospitals to friends increased from 71% to 85%. Now, I have a little bit of issue with how that's worded because again, this just all this does is reinforce what drives us crazy. It makes it sound like it was the campaign that drove those results. Sure. 
mm-hmm. when what is being studied are patient satisfaction surveys and the would you recommend question, which is obviously driven first and foremost by... Hello? <laughs> Are you going to tell us? No, I wanted you to fill in the blank. You were supposed to sing it in unison. Aww. The patient experience. <laughs> Go ahead. So they invested... Oh, of course. Yeah, they invested in a remodeling... And I thought you pe- wanted something more specific than that. No, it's just simple and obvious. I mean, they invested in this remodeling. People came and experienced remodeling, right. and their patient satisfaction scores went up. You know, yes, y- no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's, I think you can, I think it's, I think it's a little more complex than just cause that cause and effect. Um, because I think there are, there are other elements in play too. I mean, if you look at. Um, <clears throat> Simply provide. Okay, now you've provided. You've not only provided your patients an an, an amazing environment in which to receive care, but you've also provided caregivers an amazing environment in which to provide care. Sure. Yeah. Chances are the quality, that quality of care, the enthusiasm maybe of your caregiver has maybe gone up a level Mm -hmm. as well. They've got some pride in the place that they're in. They're happy to come to work. You know, assuming they don't hate their manager or hate the people around them. so, you know, arguably that's going to have a positive effect. Not that, not that this is saying that that doesn't, but in this case, you know, they kind of set it up in the, in, in the sense that, you know, awesome facility is, is what it takes. Now these people are happier and that's, that's why when, you know, I think that the awesome facility is going to have a little more effect on other, th- other factors that are also going to make you make those scores go up. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, but it's all driven by the remodel. <clears throat> it is, it is, but it's not necessarily a direct correlation that that is exactly that that alone is the cause of what made these people happier you know if there are if it you know in turn affected other things that then affected the patient experience as well then that's that's good you know i think yeah. we would also be people to advocate or ones to advocate for you know c- providing not only a, a fantastic environment for your for your patients but one for your employees i mean that's, right. that's just as important mm-hmm. right right so, you know, I, I think we're nitpicking about that. But again, it's, it's too focused on the marketing campaign and not focused on, you know, the remodel changed the experience, both from the direct experience and to your point, Adam, most likely the experience of the people that were supporting the patients mm-hmm. and their experience overall increased. And so they reflected that in their patient satisfaction surveys. Uh, here's another one, a 2008 study co-authored by uh, someone at the RAND Corporation reached similar conclusions. The study of Los Angeles area hospitals found, quote, an increase in hospitals amenities increases demand among patients studied by 38.4%. That compared to just a 12.7% increase in demand among patients made aware of hospital superior clinical standards of care. Now, what this doesn't say is I was, yeah. how do they determine that? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Because if they just asked people that, right. again, it goes back to what people say doesn't always correlate to what they do. Right. Uh, but I, I still believe that we basically the way we've put this in the past is, uh, you know, healthcare in so many ways is like getting your car repaired. You know, very few of us understand what they're doing to your engine when they fix it. Uh, and so as long as I drive away and my engine works, I'm evaluating you not on what wrench you used, not on how smooth you were with that wrench, not on, you know, how great you repaired my engine, but, how long did I have to wait? And, you know, did you have Wi-Fi in your waiting area? And did you have hot coffee? And we tend to put value into things that we can actually value. 
Right. Right. And if you can gauge, because you can gauge, yeah. You can't gauge. You can't necessarily gauge quality of care. What does that mean? I mean, you you can say you can easily compare the the uh, one facility to another and say this one's nicer, this one's newer, this one's got these bells and whistles that the other one doesn't have. But you know, one good doctor versus another good doctor, or decent doctor versus another decent doctor. How do you how do you how do you compare them? I mean, how, I don't know. Right. One didn't cure you. One did. <laughs> Well, and and you've got people that are, you know, who are appropriately saying that because of transparency and an increase, uh, increased focus on quality, particularly paying for quality, the release of quality data, that this is going to change and that consumers, now that they are given quality data, are going to focus more on that. And I still think, you know, we use the Twin Cities, which is a fairly competitive market. There are six heart centers in this market that, that have nationally recognized quality standards. Mm -hmm. So once you get down into that, how are you supposed to determine that this person's 4.56, you know, whatever is better than that person's 4.55? Because it's never that clear cut. Never. And so people are still going to be lost in the numbers. They still aren't going to understand a lot of this stuff. It comes from multiple sources. Mm Uh, and so you're still going to be in a situation where, where even though now there's a lot more information, there's still likely to be as much confusion uh, by consumers as to, well, how do I really value quality? Right. They're just gonna they're just gonna assume, you know, unless it's a, an egregious negative. To to Adam's point, they're just gonna go, well, this just gets you in the game. This, you know, now how close are you? Now what are your amenities? Now you know how long do I have to wait? And all those things. So mm-hmm. I. Th- I think this is a great quote here, too. I want to throw this in. This is from the guy who did the RAND study. Uh, and by the way, we don't know what's behind the RAND study. RAND might have some kind of product that is related to hospital amenities. So they would have a you know an incentive for... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you always sure. have to be careful with these studies. Uh, but he says, quote, Why wouldn't we expect patients to care about the broader experience? This is a very consumer-oriented culture. It would almost be shocking if patients didn't care about some of those things. That's a great way to put it. Because you get into these discussions and arguments with usually clinical folks or internal mm-hmm. people about, hey, we're board certified and, and all of this. And you go, no, these are more important. And they say, no, that can't be. It's almost shocking to think that they wouldn't be more important. That's right. the way to think about right. it. Adam, you were going to say something? Uh, no, well, actually, I was going to you know, play uh, devil's advocate for a minute and ask the question. You know, In this day and age where we're talking about healthcare costs spiraling out of control and trying to provide healthcare, you know, kind of this universal healthcare coverage so everybody can have it, you know, there have to be in reigning in health and reigning in costs. Cause I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. I mean, how do we, how do you balance these super modern amenities with the perception of trying mm-hmm. to be, be cost conscious and be, uh, you know, aware of these, these social issues that we're facing. I mean, where, yeah. how, how does that play into this? How does that play into the mix? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a uh, man. Cause you, I mean, when you remodel your facilities and have this ultra modern facade, I mean, what, man, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky, it's a, it's a balancing act right now. Mm-hmm. I think it is, it is absolutely a balancing act. I think, you know, I always fall back to, this is still a competitive system mm-hmm. and I, right. and I'm for that. I know there's lots of arguments for socialized medicine, Canadian style. Uh, and I'm not necessarily saying those are awful, but I believe in the American way and that competition makes things better. Theoretically drives prices down. Theoretically makes, 
experience is better theoretically improves Drives innovation, innovation, right. innovation. Yeah. So I believe in all of that, but I think you're right in that we're talking about something that's got a social component to it. Uh, and I think eventually where we're going to be is almost a two layered system where you've got a basic level of care that is available to everybody that is subsidized by society, because I think we will move to a point where we agree that healthcare is a human right that a civilized society should have, Mm -hmm. but not at the nth degree. And if in America, if you have the means for, for better, you should be able to pay for better. And that's right. where these amenities will come into play, right. I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see how it how it plays out. I mean, we're in the, the midst of it right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's almost, even when you think of things like the post office, which is theoretically a monopoly on mail mm-hmm. delivery, government-run, well, government, I don't know if it's government-run. It's definitely government. It's a, theoretically, it's right. independent, can, but... You can consider it government-run, right. I think. Yeah. right. But we all, you know, prefer the modern post offices with the ATM-like stamp dispensers Mm -hmm. and the friendly people uh, and the nice lighting to the 1929, (laughs) you know, awful experience post office. Yeah. 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 So there's some level that you just, as a human, want to have. Now, does it have to be, you know, what do we want? Waterfalls in our post office? (laughs) You know, we want concierge service. I don't know about that, but- yeah, right. so because so, you know we're all paying for it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. Do you do you yeah? It's, it's, do you need that? And that actually kind of comes back. I mean, that will certainly will come back to healthcare too. I mean, what when these kind of this baseline is established of what that first tier consists of? It's like well, where there's trade offs because it's what are you willing to? I don't know. I'm, I want. I want. I want. I was going to say what are you willing to settle for, but I think that's the wrong way to set it up. But there's going to there's going to be that. There's going to you know it's going to be you know what this is taxpayers are covering this. We're not going to have waterfalls. You're not going to have this and that. Um, it's not going to be a. I, I would hate to imagine that it would be like a horrible experience. But you know some of what we're seeing now may just not be able to exist in some of these hospitals. Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of what um, and I'm the name of this movement's going to escape me. But again, when we dived into patient experience years and years ago, you know, I hooked up with some architects locally, some designers uh, who were very big on on this kind of design for hospitals. And it was less, you know, their take was, hey, this isn't about creating the Ritz-Carlton. It's about creating and designing facilities that actually improve care. To your point, Adam, they improve uh, the staff and the physicians and, and the nurses' attitudes because they're working in a decent place. <laughs> mm-hmm. They create a level of comfort that actually improves recovery time. And so does a waterfall do that? There's a lot of people who argue, yeah, mm-hmm. a waterfall pre- pre- you know, presents a calming influence and can really help patients. So right. it, it's a really tough gray area to draw. And there's yeah. certainly you can things you can point out that go, yeah, that's too far, or maybe, no, that's mm-hmm. that falls under patient-centered design kind of thing. But it's yeah, an interesting you know, topic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I think, I, I think that kind of – when you talk about some of this stuff, I mean, some of this stuff comes down to – it doesn't have to necessarily be a waterfall. You can look at just – go back to going to color theory. And, I mean, what colors are comforting and soothing? You could, it'd be pretty safe to right. that, you know, your typical old hospitals, which are – you know, this hideous tiled brown floor, linoleum tiled floor and like these sterile white walls that are, you know, getting discolored and old because things have been bouncing off of them and rolling <laughs> down the hallways or people are rubbing against them. You know, there's just this old <laughs> sterile 
approach that for some somehow somebody determined that that was how that was the best way or that's how it's supposed mm-hmm. to be. I mean, you see that even in old office buildings. It's not just hospitals. It's like who in the hell thought that these horrid environments were 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 good for people to be in, whether they're receiving care or whether it's the place they're going to work, you know, nine to five sitting behind a desk all day or, or whatever, you know, it's just, I think one thing that we're just seeing is kind of this, it's not just about remodeling to make it, you know, I, well, it is, I guess. I mean, it's, it's, it's remodeling because it just, it makes sense yeah. now. I mean, why, why would you paint something white and have it sterile when you could give it more, more of a earthy tone or something that's just more welcoming, more inviting, um, just makes people feel better in general. Why put in, you know, just cold, horrible overhead fluorescent lights when you, you know, maybe you could put some nice covers over those same, you know, bulbs and they'll just be warmer and they'll feel better. All of this stuff that wouldn't even, would probably cost very little on top of what you'd be spending for the, you know, the cheapest of the cheap. Well, and that kind of brings us full circle. Cause I think that is probably the number one reason why you see all those things as people were looking at the, the least expensive approach and, mm-hmm. and because they didn't feel there was any worthwhile, uh, it wasn't worthwhile to invest in the, in even the incremental increase in cost to your point. I mean, what difference does it cost to paint something different color, but you still have to think about it. You have to hire somebody to come up with the color scheme. It's incremental. It's minor in the right. scheme of things, right. but you know, seventies and before a lot of, you know, office buildings, hospitals, whatever it was, this stuff doesn't matter. Uh, workers are drones and we just need to get people in and out, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the cheapest, fluorescent light, white wall. Uh, and I think, you know, that's where we've evolved to saying, well, yes, it costs more, but it's there's a it. payback to mm-hmm. that. Right. Well, and, and years ago, there were far fewer options for all of this right. stuff. And some of the things that today we just can kind of consider duh um, weren't necessarily duh. Exactly. <laughs> you know, 20, 30 right. years yep. ago. Um, and you know, I think this point is especially important for smaller hospitals, like in rural hospitals, for example, um, you know, who are already struggling probably to stay staffed adequately, let alone have the budget to do any kind of improvements. Um, this is, this is the area where you can, I mean, because it's, it can be done practically on a, on a, on a tiny budget, mm-hmm. um, you know, just changing the wall colors, things as simple as that, uh, reupholstering seats that you already have maybe, um, who knows? I think there's, I think there's a lot of affordable things that you can do to improve the experience. Um, besides these massive overhauls that you see from so many of the larger systems, right. especially around, around town here. Okay. We're going to leave it at that. Nice discussion. We've just eaten up 80% of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. We I have like five other articles. We do. Too. That's all right. We'll just go to one more. How about that? that sounds good. Ooh, which okay. one? Group on. Woohoo. Because we need to group on. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is. <laughs> what is that? That is hysterical. That's, That's uh, Triumph the Insult comic. From that Conan. was a group on, though. You remember the, pu- the puppet, hand puppet? Dog? Yeah, but I thought it was from something else. And he For just me stole to group on. No, it started with Conan, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think he still he got to start on Conan, I think. I don't no. think he st- Yes. Yeah, yes, 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 so. he did. He I went, just think, it went beyond that, but. I think the bit was before. <laughs> That dog. Oh, yeah, that I don't know. That I don't Put know. Put a me too group on. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how I think of group on. I know it is. Which is why I brought this article forward because we've had this discussion and I've kind of been like old grumpy guy going, ah, get it. And even after Jackie sang the praises and I signed up and I still go, damn it, here comes another group on email that I have to delete because it's worthless. worthless to me. Um, 
But now comes along a story in Business Week uh, called Our Four Words Worth $25 Billion for Groupon. Mm-hmm. And basically what it's about is a new uh, component to Groupon that when I read, I went, okay, now you're talking. Now this is something that I would be interested in. And basically it's, the best way to describe it is kind of a mobile version of Groupon where uh, stores, retailers, businesses can sign up just like they would for normal Groupon, but they offer uh, location-based offerings Mm -hmm. and they, and they can pick when and where they, you know, want to have those. And then those would be basically tied to your mobile location. And so the idea would be you'd walk out of your business office and you could click two things uh, on this this mobile tool or website or however they're doing it. One says, I'm hungry. One says, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. And I, so if I said, I'm hungry, it would automatically pull up all the offerings that are nearby me from restaurants, uh, and it, which would allow me to say, okay, well, you know where I want to eat and if do I want to save money and here's where I could go from the business's standpoint it's a fantastic idea because they're able to tailor uh, offers based on their demand right. so like if you're a like the example is if you're a uh, I don't know if you're a restaurant and in your slower periods are Tuesday and Wednesday between 11 and noon you can give offers that are just available during those times mm-hmm. to bring in more people. Uh, but still not cannibalize your normal business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought that was... Love it. It's called Groupon Now. Did I say that already? No. You hadn't. Yeah. Group, <laughs> group, <laughs> Groupon Now is Mason. Mason is the founder, Andrew Mason. Is Mason's attempt to build something that's much more difficult to replicate, a huge liquid market for consumer foot traffic. I love it. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah. It's so obvious. Why isn't that? I mean, maybe it is kind of available now, but not like Groupon style. Right. I always hear these things and I just can't believe that someone hasn't thought about it already. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is, I mean, this really is only, I want to, I don't, I was going to say it's only possible because of the advent of mobile phones or the mobile phones that we have now. Um, You know, it could have been done before, but not like it can be done now. I mean, the mobile phones in, especially in this space, they change the game. It's, it's, it's a whole new landscape for people to innovate on. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun to see what ideas people are coming up with. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are, are just, are this, it's like, it's, it's, it seems so obvious. It's like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Well, that, well, but because somebody did, are. to your point, somebody did. And Paul Allen, of course, who's uh Mr. Rich guy who founded Microsoft with Bill Gates. He thought of it like three or four years ago and he had a service called Mercata that didn't survive because of the point you just made, Adam. Right. The technology yeah. and, and and more to the point, uh, people's reliance on mobile technology wasn't right. Hadn't hit the tipping point like it already has now. And so, uh, you know, there are there are things on my iPhone that are similar to this. Uh, I have an app called Where. I think I can't remember. There's a few of them mm-hmm. where you know you can kind of say, well, what's nearby. Uh, some of them are like Starbucks or pizza places, mm-hmm. uh, but I haven't seen anything tied to, uh, you know, offers from those vendors that are date location specific. Right. Right. Um, and not, not to this. I mean, a lot of the other ones, like there's a, you know, Facebook's got its little thing with places that's in, kind of integrated, but the, the problem is you don't necessarily think of Facebook for that, or at least they never made it as big as, I mean, that, that's what, th- with this one with Groupon and with Groupon now, that's what it is. 
mean, it's not, you never thought about it as something else before. Um, so when you see people kind of integrating those things in a little bit to services that already existed, I mean, Google maps kind of does it too. There's little tags that'll pop up now on your maps and it's, it's a a special deal for some place that was on that map, maybe not the one you were looking for. Um, but you don't think of those as that, that you don't think of that as a destination to go for that kind of stuff, at least you don't yet. Right. Um, whereas Groupon, that's what it's been from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So that's what you, you know, you, you, it's not something new to, you don't have to try to work out this preconceived notion of something. And now that's, that's what it is. That's first and foremost, what you think of it for. So yeah, it's, it's been, it's cool. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so neat from a, I mean, it, to me, that seems way more functional and, and something I would use than the normal Groupon, but listen to it from a business perspective. This is just, this really could be a game changer. Mason envisions all kinds of establishments using the service. A spa might send out a deal on a massage because a customer canceled at the last minute, leaving one masseuse free for an hour. Mm-hmm. Or a gym could run a few days of coupons to fill the class for a new yoga instructor. For merchants, the daily deal is like teeth whitening, and Groupon now is like brushing your teeth. It can be an everyday thing to keep your business going. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, they take their normal cut, 40 to 50% or -hmm. whatever, uh, but he sees it being a billion-dollar market or or a billion-dollar in revenue just this year, given the power of that, and people started using it. I mean, Google, Google offered them what they turned down a $6 billion offer, right? right? From yeah. Google. Yeah. So <laughs> you've got to have some, you've got to have some serious confidence to uh, turn down $6 billion. <laughs> $6 billion. And you know, we had a conversation coming back from lunch one day about that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I think at the time it was rumored to be a billion. And I said, who turns down a billion dollars? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care what idea you have. It's a billion dollars. I mean, <laughs> seriously. And so now, yeah, it's been um, actually they've gone back and uh, they're looking for some VC money that has valued them uh, up to twenty five billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this I mean, is such an awesome change. idea too. I mean, it's such a it's such a <laughs> win. Isn't it, what's great about this? I mean, there's so many ideas that come out that's clearly a win for one person. I mean, it's maybe a benefit to somebody else, but it's clearly a win for one person in particular. You know, capitalism, of course, mm-hmm. at its finest. But this is an example of a tool that's win win for it's win for everybody involved. It's three it wins, is. isn't it? Yeah, it's a win for the for the for the person who's providing the service or selling the goods because that would have been downtime for them otherwise. Yeah, they would have lost revenue. Um, yeah. Like as your example of the masseuse that now has an hour yeah. open because somebody canceled, you know, potentially maybe, maybe they still took a cut if whoever made the schedule and they still have to pay part of it, but I'm guessing they're going to lose money there if they don't get somebody in. Um, now they can make some money. Now I know that there's a quick opportunity for me to go get a massage and the person who's providing and managing this awesome resource is making some money on it as well. I mean, it's, it's just everybody on every end wins. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no loser there. That's pretty cool. I, I totally it. see this for healthcare too, because you could see like where, you know, a patient's supposed to have heart surgery and there's a complication. They can't do it. They just put out a coupon and said, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. come and get heart surgery right now. Nice for a discount. If I know yes. I'm going to get a discount, I'll be in there in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Get it? Yeah, it's, it's so lame. <laughs> well, it's interesting because they talk about, you know, the $25 billion valuation. But the problem is what Groupon has already done is so easily replicated. Yeah. Uh, and also there's a, you know, there's still a lot of, mystery to how you know we said win 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 there's a lot of folks that aren't sure that that the second win really is there and that's for the participating businesses because so many of them come out and say you know yeah we get a huge rush of people but very few of them stick as customers we don't 
we lose money on every one of them that comes in on those deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not sure this is really, you know, the best sure. option for us. Sure. But this, um, this might be a different, a different offering that, that might help them less with volume and more with, you know, unused demand uh, or unused supply, I guess is the better word to put it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, theoretically they're trying to do this so that it, so that others can't follow in their footsteps. But the article also questions, well, it's really not tough to do what we're talking about. Yeah. This, you know, group on now either to your point, Adam, Google maps already does it. It's just, it's different. You don't think of Google maps, like you said, right. Like you would group on. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. No, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't push it hard enough for I mean, this is a space that could have easily been entered by well the, the especially the place the resources we've already mentioned Definitely. Uh, uh Google Map Google Facebook um, Facebook some yeah. of these location uh Foursquare and Gowalla you know they've already they've kind of been doing this a little right, bit showing you right. the stuff that's around mm-hmm. you but not not like this you know again it was an add-on component to this check-in service it wasn't this first and whatever else second you know, just like Groupon might end up having some kind of location, you know, well, I mean, it is a location service. If they ever add some kind of check-in thing, it'll be, it'll be secondary to what they're going to be first and foremost known for, which is getting these good deals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think we're, I think we're, we need to be fair to things like Foursquare and because those are doing those things. Uh, you know, it's, it's offering a service similar to this now. It's just, I think Groupon has the scale and the appropriateness to really change the game with yeah. this. So. Yeah. Yeah. I no, agree. It's fun to watch. It'll be interesting to see how this all pans out. And you know, you guys ripped on me last time we <laughs> talked about, um, <laughs> never last time we talked about Groupon and I had pointed out that, um, you know, it's kind of redefining social networking again for the better in the, in the, in it, because it's bringing people together rather than just being, you know, the Facebooks and Twitters where you're miles and miles apart and putting your little crap up there and then going about yourself. You know, this is actually in many cases bringing people together to have a bite to eat, to do something, um, whatever. It's kind of just a new twist on, you know, online networking for social interaction, you know? So it's, and you, you know, I've heard more and more people talking about the benefits of that and how this is kind of a cool way to, in bring real life back into quote unquote social media. Um, so I don't know, more and more people have been talking about that. And I, I felt vindicated a little bit every time I hear somebody uh, talk about how that's cool. I know. Cause I just think, I think back he... you guys tell me that. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause you were, you were trying to argue that Groupon was social media because one result of it was people got together and ate restaurants <laughs> together, which, which I, is a I, fine outcome, but but does well, not my fit point, my definition. Maybe I worded it wrong. So my point I is know. what I was saying is that it's kind of redefining what, how these interaction social tools online redefine our, our yes. social lives outside of the interwebs. Yeah. Right. No. And that's very yeah. fair. Adam, you get yourself into trouble sometimes because you love taking the devil's advocate point of view. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then and sometimes so you. you like get yourself in a, and so do I, yeah. But <laughs> sometimes we get ourselves in a corner where we're like arguing against something that we probably even believe in or just <laughs> let's just get the debate going. And then we get in a corner where we're like, damn, I just said group on a social, you know, social media because people meet at bars <laughs> to from be the coupons. Social. How do I get out of this? But you're right. I think your point was was You guys always end up just, agreeing in the end. I know, isn't Typically. it sweet? We should agree it now. To, we should agree now to end the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Before that, we go. Yes, I agree. Set a new record. That went really fast, though. It did. That was good, good one. Hopefully, good it did for the audience too. Are you are you awake out there? Are you okay? <laughs> Look okay. alive. All right. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll be back for number ninety nine. Nine yep. to nine. Oh, you know who sang that? 
99 red balloons? No. 99. Ooh, I can't dig oh, it no uh, more. Total. Oh, not. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I have like zero for zero here. Why should we be apart? Oh, <laughs> it wouldn't be the voice at all, would it? Or the vocals? I love you. That's, that's definitely not one of the I never thought songs. it would happen. Too much to blame. Sorry. <laughs> what the hell? Don't want to hurt you anymore. Any more. Oh, oh, oh. oh, I never thought it would work out. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Definitely not one of their better. Well, I mean, it's on their greatest hits album, I think, but it's. Yeah, it's better than Africa. Let's not one of my favorites. I like Africa. It's All a good right. song. Hold the Line is probably one of my favorite Toto songs. Excellent. On that note. Well, <laughs> uh, well, all right. For Eric and Healthcare Marketing, Toto, this is Chris Bevelo. Jackie Rotaco. Adam Meyer. We'll see you next time, 99. <laughs>